Welcome to the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. My name is Matt Shedd. In this episode, I talk to three Mar staff members, all experienced in working with families. Uh, my name is Jennifer Acker, and I'm the family counselor at Mars Women's Center. Hello, I am Millicent Parker. Um, technically, I'm lead family counselor for Mar. I am Lauren Davis. I am the director of admissions for both the Men's Recovery Center and Women's Recovery Center. We discuss Mars family program and what treatment looks like for the loved ones of our clients. Towards the end, we also introduce a brand new education opportunity we're opening to the general public, a one-hour online webinar called Addiction Never Looks Like Addiction. But before we get to all that, we'll start off by discussing why MAR has a family program. What takes place at a lot of treatment centers is that... Um, Usually there isn't a, f a separate family therapist working with the families. Usually it's the the case manager or the primary therapist that is working with the client and doing the groups with the client that's also working with those families. So it's a bit of a dual relationship um, and more of touching base on how the client is doing in treatment rather than working with the families on their own recovery. Mm -hmm. um, whereas here we have two totally separate people. So we have the family therapist working with the families and then we have the individual therapist working with the client and those two things don't ever cross. Um, you know, so we're able to help the families actually get into recovery themselves versus just educating them on what's going on with their loved one or educating them about addiction, um, which is different. Yeah. I mean, and people think that it sounds the same as what they've experienced before when I'm talking to them on the front end. But then once they get here, they realize it's very different. That is true. I've had family members to tell me they've gone to one treatment facility. Oh, we, we've already done this, Millicent. We're good. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't need anything mm -hmm. else. And I said, well, um, I've heard that our um, program, family program, is quite different. The experience is quite different than what you would have gotten from the other facility. Um, and until he went through our three-day program, the, the whole time prior to that, he was like, no, I've already done this. I already know, you know, I've already done my work. Mm -hmm. um, but then when he came and went through the three-day workshop with us, he was like, at the end, he was like, Millicent, you were right. Mm. Totally different, totally different. Um, so he had a different experience, and he appreciated the differences between the two, and he could um, recognize that he had to do, there was still more work for him to do on this side. Mm -hmm. He was open to it at that point. So. Mm -hmm. But prior to I'd already done this, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I let them know, too, because I think families expect, because if they've had prior treatment experiences, I think that they expect to jump in right off the bat. Like, as soon as their loved one gets here, they're going to be involved in their treatment. Mm -hmm. um, but we allow, like, a, a 30 to 45-day cushion period when the client right. first gets here for healing to take place separately. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, I let them know on the front end, we're not going to reintroduce the family therapy until they're about halfway through the program. Um, and that is best for both parties. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want to start it too soon. We need for the client to get better. We also need for you to get better before we start doing some of that work together. Could you guys kind of describe what that what the workshop looks like and then what the individual work with them looks like yeah kind of the process mm -hmm. um so the way i just start out my conversations with families on the front end um on that day of admission uh contact is i tell them like 
I'm a part of your loved one's team, um, but they have a team of, of counselors and therapists working with them, and I'm kind of like your therapist uh, working with you. Um, so talking about that deeper level of work, I kind of I frame it that way. Like I'm your your um, your liaison, um, but I I am here for your support um, and just kind of like helping them understand that they've been impacted by this disease um, and working working through that so that in uh, phase one, the first 45 days of treatment, uh, roughly 45 days, the families are doing intentional work, getting education, getting support, gaining the awareness so that when they come to the workshop, they've got a good foundation. Um, the workshop, uh, we bring all of our MAR families um, together, men's center and women's center families together um, for an educational and therapeutic workshop where um, they're getting to meet other counselors within the program um, and um, having groups similar to what their loved one is experiencing in, in what we call feeling school or phase one of treatment. So they're getting to um, have that education presented to them in just a different way, as well as getting to talk to other families and hear their experiences, which is like the number one thing I hear from families mm -hmm. is it was so good to connect with other people oh. who get it. Um, who have similar experiences. So it's like a community building aspect to it as well. Absolutely. And we're like, you know, get each other's numbers, Facebook friends, emails, uh -huh. this is your community that's unique. They they understand MAR and they understand recovery. Mm -hmm. um, so they're building those connections. And then we do introduce um, the client back in. We have some therapeutic conversations mm -hmm. as well as a family session involved in the workshop. Um, and it's like this structured, supportive um, environment where the clients, um, their community or the other people they're in treatment with are there for their support um, and accountability. And then their family is also there. And we can start um, going to that deeper family work as the unit comes back together. So we, we transition. It's, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. process, definitely, uh -huh. to get to the workshop and then beyond. Okay. So I'm, I'm working with you and then... We're going to sit down together with one of you all um, in the in the um, during the three day seminar. What can I expect that to look like? So during that time, they are um, actually sitting in um, different workshops. So we talk about topics like um, rescuing and enabling, mm -hmm. um, setting boundaries, um, the family disease, and so we look at different aspects like preoccupation and um, other things that most people expect the alcoholic addict to experience. Well, we point out to family members that they have had those same experiences just in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, so while your loved one may be um, preoccupied with when am I going to get the next fix, you're preoccupied with what is he doing? Did he go to work? Is he eating today? Um, things like that. And mm -hmm. so we help them to see how both sides are impacted. And that's where we introduce um, family recovery and your own recovery plan. Mm -hmm. um, and so when your loved one is in relapse and they're doing those unhealthy behaviors, they're out using whatever, you yourself may find yourself in relapse mode because you're either 
checking for um, bottles or you're riding around to see if they're at X person's house or you're checking to see if they made it to work. And so you're doing unhealthy behaviors as well. So that's your relapse. Mm. And so we introduce recovery, the term recovery and relapse to the family members and say that you are, um, you have your own recovery. And let's look at what your recovery needs to look look like. And we kind of really start drilling that in for those three days. And I'll, when appropriate, I'll sometimes explain that to people on the front mm-hmm. end. that Because a lot of times in the beginning, what they really are looking for is a guarantee that their loved one's going to get better, mm-hmm. um, which we can't guarantee that. Right. You know, we know that we are good at what we do, but we can't force the medicine down their throat. Right. Um, but I'll share with families that in my experience, whether or not your loved one gets better, if you if they go through the program and if you are involved and you're involved in the family recovery program, mm-hmm. um, you can get recovery and you can be in a, a really healthy place whether or not your loved one stays sober or not, um, which I think is really encouraging for them to know that they're going to have that kind of support when they get here and they can right. have that support when they leave. Right. Um, so really the outcome of what happens with the addict or alcoholic is irrelevant to whether or not the family can get into recovery. Right. And trying to get the families to um, to realize <laughs> that, to accept that that's a possibility um, or to even allow themselves to think like that mm-hmm. um, is something that we have to work on and work on work with them on because sometimes they won't even give themselves permission to think that I can be okay if my loved one is not okay. Right. I I liked what you touched on just there that idea of having to separate to heal because that can feel. I know from talking to people that are think considering sending a loved one here, that can feel very painful. Like, mm-hmm. why are you going to rip this person away from me for? Right. Because you know we have rules about when they can contact them, and first right. two or three weeks they can't really even talk on the phone with them, right. and and then they don't even see them during the first forty-five days. So that can feel kind of cruel, or you know, mm-hmm. to the person. So can you help me understand a little bit? Help us understand the logic of of that you know, separation. I can tell you that I, I'm the one that goes over the rules with them on the front end, you know, talking about what will happen once the loved one comes into treatment. Um, And we always go over with them that for the first two to three weeks that the client is here, there is no contact. So you will have contact with your family therapist, um, but you won't have direct contact with the client. Um, And as a, everything else. We have a wide range of uh, responses to that. Um, Most of the time it's like, why do you make that happen? Um, Or why are you, why is that a hard rule? Because they are so excited about the opportunity to get their loved one back. I think they think that that's going to happen as soon as they get into treatment, like they're going to get healthy very quickly. um, And they don't like the idea of taking a a pause in their relationship. Um, But I always tell them, especially going back to the fact that the families are the ones usually pushing the clients into treatment, um, what that means is that the client is not internally motivated to be here. So in that first two to three week period, not allowing communication with their family allows the client the opportunity to really get involved with their community and start getting plugged into their own recovery. Um, So I explained to families on the front end that that two to three weeks where you're not able to talk to them is maybe the most important two to three week period in in their treatment process um, because it's at that point that their motivation shifts from my family's making me be here to I want to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a, a magical period of time where um, they just have to allow it to happen 
And then by the time they do talk to their loved one after those first two to three weeks, usually they're in a much healthier place to have that conversation. Yeah, and in some ways we're we're protecting the family also from um, in those first couple of weeks from the you made me come here, this place is horrible, um, as they get that internal motivation. So we're protecting the family from that that guilt mm-hmm. um, and resentment building by allowing the client to to express that, express that frustration to staff, to their community, hear from other people farther along in recovery and be like, I was like that too when I first came in mm-hmm. and now I'm bought in. Um, so the client is getting invested and it's time, um, allows time for us family counselors to build that relationship with the family mm-hmm. um, as they kind of shift from focusing so much on the addict alcoholic uh, to then looking at themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what um, we do as family counselors is help them to look at themselves. Yeah, I remember um, working with a mom and she got her son to come in and when he was out and active they would although the relationship wasn't the best but they would talk every day and so she couldn't understand she couldn't believe or didn't want to believe or think that he could make it um without talking to her every day and she had to talk to him I mean that's just that was a part of their routine every day they would have a conversation and um And so I told her, well, just, you know, we'll give it a try. We'll see how it works. If you need to to talk to somebody, you can call me. We'll talk every day. Just do a quick check-in. Your son, he has a community. He has counselors. He can drop in and um, sit down with us and talk to us every day if he needs to. But let's just try it and see how it goes. Um, He... And he actually had never really had a good relationship with other men in general. And so he was able to, he got through the two weeks without a problem. She didn't have to call me that many times, maybe twice a week. Um, But she got through it as well. And he left with some really good um, connections, some really good bonds in the community. Um, And it was because he didn't have access to his mom like every day he could only talk to her twice a week and but he had this group of guys that he was with pretty much 24 hours a day um while he was here so he learned how to have um healthy relationships Um, with the guys um and from that then he can have figure out how to have a healthy relationship with the female um but he was able to step back and take that time to do that she didn't think he'd be able to do it i don't think he believed he could do it either but um, they at least gave themselves permission to try it. So. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking of all the families that we work with, um, especially husband and wife relationships where they know that it's bad and they know that um, whoever the spouse is that is the addict alcoholic, they know that they're sick um, and they know that they want to be better. But Usually, by the time they get to us, their relationship has looked a certain way for so long. Um, I mean, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. I mean, we have people who have been functioning in this way for such a long period of time that they can't really – neither one of them can imagine what their relationship would look like without the drugs or the alcohol. Um, like it's just a part of their everyday life and it's a part of their routine. And it's something that I think a lot of times um, 
the family members have kind of accepted defeat. Like this is just right. kind of what it's going to be like for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we're doing on the front end is encouraging them to take a look at the fact that it doesn't have to be your mm-hmm. life. Um, but even for them, I mean, it's scary, it's scary for the clients to consider giving up the drugs and the alcohol. It's scary for the family members because they don't know on the other side what it's going to look like. Um, so I think it's the same as Millicent was saying, like, can you just give it a try? Can mm-hmm. we try and show you how different it could possibly be? Um, but we do have to be sensitive to the fact that, like, this is their normal routine. Right. It might not seem normal to us, but that mm-hmm. that is – that's their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've learned to accommodate for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of reintroducing this whole new concept of perhaps you've never been married in, without the drugs and the alcohol. Um, so this would be like a whole new marriage for you, which is right. – pretty crazy. You're listening to the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. In this next section of the show, I ask our guests to talk about the differences they see in families when the addicted person is male versus when she's a female. Um, yeah, for us in admissions, there are certain trends that we see as far as um, working on getting men into treatment versus women into treatment. Um, generally speaking, it's much easier to get men into treatment. Um, and I think that's for a number of reasons, but the main one truly is because their spouse is pushing them out the door. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with this anymore. You can't be around the kids like this. You got to go get help. And, and men are much more agreeable to just do that. Um, kind of like more willing to earlier on accept the fact that they, they do need to leave their kids and they need to change. So mm-hmm. um, that process is easier for us there, whereas the women do have a much harder time leaving their families and and accepting the fact that maybe my husband can take care of this stuff that I do at home while I'm away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big difference that we see. Um, I also see a big difference when it comes to parents pushing their children, adult children, into treatment that with women there is – it's, it's very common for parents to want to believe that their adult daughter is struggling more with a mental health issue rather than substance abuse. Like they would much rather their adult daughter just have severe anxiety um, or maybe it's just depression and that's why she's drinking a little too much or maybe um, she has some unresolved trauma. Like they want to believe that it's something else um, and they have a really hard time accepting the fact that it's addiction and so they have a really hard time pushing her to get the help that she needs, whereas with the um, with the adult sons coming into treatment, right. it's more um, – it seems a little more black and white usually, and they're easier, again, to push them towards it right. um, because they believe that their son is using drugs or alcohol. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They don't, they don't want to soften it by believing that it's something else. Um, I remember – the brief time that I was in admissions, I think the thing that got me about women coming in, mm-hmm. um, I had sisters to call about their sister, and it was close to the holidays, Thanksgiving and all. Um, and so they wanted to make sure that she would be able to get out and come home for Thanksgiving before they would even bring her in for an assessment. I mean, they were, that was... Um, very important. And if I couldn't guarantee that, then they, they didn't want to have mm-hmm. anything to do with the process right now. They figured they and they actually ended up waiting till um, the new year before um, they tried to get her in anywhere because they wanted her to be home for Thanksgiving and for the holiday season. Yeah. Um, and I, in my little time in admissions, I've always found that to be the case that they're 
they more um, they're more willing to bring the guys in. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll drop them off at the curb in a, in a heartbeat. <laughs> um, but with the women, it was more of well, who's going to do? You know, who's going to take care of us mm-hmm. <laughs> if she's not here? Um, and so they wanted to make sure all these other things were taken care of or could be taken care of if she was not there before they were. Even though they know that they knew that she needed help, mm-hmm. um, if they couldn't guarantee that these other things would be taken care of, they weren't ready to bring her in. Mm-hmm. So, well, and it's a, a sometimes harsh conversation that we have to have with mm-hmm. the family. I won't always say it directly to the mother mm-hmm. um, if the mother is our potential client, but mm-hmm. oftentimes I will share with the family. Um, when the biggest hesitation to come into treatment is leaving the children, like I assure them that all we're asking you to do is allow this person to be physically absent for three months. That's what we're asking. And our hope is that if you allow them to do that, that they'll be emotionally present for the rest of your children's lives. Right. Um, exactly. Which is if they can wrap their head around that, right. mm-hmm. they are willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And then when we work, when I work with, um, women who have small children, uh, we have a lot of resources. We help husbands because mm-hmm. it's it's so hard to take on kind of that that nurturer role. Um, so we have resources like books that we give the husbands and, and the wives to start having these conversations, educating the children on what's going on mm-hmm. uh, in an age appropriate way uh, because it's. Things are going to change. Yeah, they're going to – the mom is um, physically absent for those three months, which can be really hard, just that, that kind of hole in the family for three months. But that the emotional change that's going to take place over these three months, like it's not just the husband um, that's going to change. Like these kids also emotionally change over the, the three months. And so helping the husband and the wife – to help the children mm-hmm. um, through that process is a is a big priority. I would say, like with with the women, it does seem like the families hold tighter mm-hmm. um, to women. Women, the consequences of like the risky lifestyle associated with drug use are scarier. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is the families want to hold tighter out of that fear. Um, so helping them to to let go and know that they're safe now mm-hmm. um, and they can heal. Uh, it's it's a, a big deal for mm-hmm. families to let go. Yeah. Um, the one that um, would come to mind for me would be, I guess it's probably about five years ago now, um, um, a guy came in, and so his wife and two kids were home, and um, the wife, she was a stay-at-home mom, and so he was pretty much in charge of working, but the finances there. And so when he came in, then she would have to call to check to, you know, make sure the accounts were straightened. Um, she called to ask if she could take the the children to the dentist, mm-hmm. um, which blew my mind. Um, and then he said, "Well, yeah, you can." Go ahead and take the kids to the, the dentist. Oh, I wish I could be there with you. And she said, well, I don't need you to be here with me. I just need to know that I can take them. And I'm thinking to myself, but you needed to ask permission to take them. Mm. And so you can do that. Um, and so I worked with her. He actually ended up going to um, the extended program. But I worked with her on just owning her own self, mm-hmm. um, owning her own power, and that she's totally capable because she um, she's a teacher, 
And so, but she had stopped teaching to take care of the youngest child. And so I'm like, you're a professional. Mm -hmm. You are your own woman. You can make your own decisions. You can live your own life. Um, And so she did that. And then a couple of months later, um, she emailed me. And it was from her own email account because she didn't have her own email. She had, she was using his. I was like, come on, I need you to be to own who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, But the more he was here, she had to acknowledge that parts of his personality that she wanted to blame either his parents or just other things Mm -hmm. on um, was him. And um, she had to decide whether this, she wanted to actually be in a relationship with this guy because this is, Mm -hmm. This is the real person. You're listening to the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. To close out our episode, I asked the counselors to describe the new webinar that they're launching. So we'll be talking about um, addiction never looks like addiction. It never does. And so um, we have so many experiences where we're wondering what is going on with my family right now. What is going on with my husband, my wife, my son, my daughter? Um, and we have some suspicions, and we're just not sure. Mm-hmm. And so in the webinar, we talk more about some behaviors um, that we as family members find ourselves doing that we wouldn't normally do. Um, and then we also talk about behaviors that you may notice in your loved ones and um, that may strike you as odd or may make you wonder what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because addiction never looks like addiction, what is it? Mm -hmm. So what's going on with me? What's going on in my household? Um, And so we just take a look at that. Mm -hmm. And we offer um, some possibilities. We're not saying that we can guarantee if it's X, Y, and Z, then that's what you got going on. Mm -hmm. But we are saying... um, be honest with yourself, your experiences, what's going on in your family, um, and allow yourself to um, to take some different actions mm-hmm. and to take some steps to so that you can have a different experience mm-hmm. um, in your family or in just in your own life. Um, and so we provide some. Um, like I said, some behaviors, Mm -hmm. some patterns that you may notice, um, some family dynamics Mm -hmm. um, that could be going on, and as a result of that, what it could be. Um, So the family counselors will definitely offer um, information and Uh share information, but we always want it to be interactive. Okay. Um, So I could tell you about what's going on with me and and, and a little bit. Yes. You can give us a scenario and we can kind of talk from our perspective. Once again, we're not going to guarantee that it's A, B, or C, but we can definitely talk to you about um, what's going on. And sometimes it's just in having that conversation that we can figure out what our next step needs to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're offering, just an opportunity for you to kind of flesh out where you are and um, how you're really and truly being impacted and what to do from that point. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's just a conversation. Okay, great. You have to have conversations. And from that, that conversation, then we can figure out what to do what next. What to do next. Mm-hmm. Great. Sounds like yeah. a great resource. I'd say the, the people who should consider signing up um, are people with a suspicion. 
so if there is a question mark in your family, um, things feel out of control mm -hmm. and you're not sure what's going on, then you should probably sign up. If mm -hmm. there is even a, the tiniest inclination of a suspicion um, that it could be addiction or substance abuse, then you should sign up. And um, I think this webinar is like the hope is that we can identify some some things going on in your family and in these relationships. Um, we're not going to like diagnose and we can't guarantee uh, that that's that's what the problem is, that addiction's the problem. But at least we can um, start addressing some of these questions mm -hmm. um, and hearing from our family counselors who have a lot of experience of who we've we've heard we've heard it all um, or most of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so drawing on our experiences um, and hearing from yourself uh, for yourself what maybe you identify with and can relate to. Mm -hmm. So I'd say those if you have a suspicion, a question that this is happening in your family, then you should log on right um, and and see what it's all about. Great, yeah, it's pretty. Pretty low commitment level. Mm -hmm. This is the information gathering stage. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> We're just trying to figure out what's going on. Okay. What's one, if, if you could just leave us with one thing, what's one thing you would pass on to the listeners if you could, with our conversation in mind? <laughs> That's deep. <laughs> um, one thing I'd pass on to listeners uh, about family work Um is just the validation that that you're not alone um, in this. Um, it's not your fault uh, that your loved one um, uses drugs or, or uh, drinks alcohol. It's not your fault, um, and you're not alone. There are lots of other family member families out there going through this, experiencing this, um, and if you you open yourself up to the possibility of change and the possibility of a new relationship and the possibility of healing, um, you can experience recovery in life in a, a new way that you've never had before. Um, the one thing that I would pass on would be give yourself permission. Give yourself permission to... Become the healthiest you um, that you can be. And sometimes that's stepping back from what's going on in your relationships to look at how you've been impacted and what does that mean for you moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, give yourself permission to be honest about you. Give yourself permission to be honest about what you want, where you are, how you got there. Um that's been the, the number one thing that I found in dealing with family members, especially wives, is they have decided um, that I have to do this. I'm mm -hmm. obligated to do this or to to believe one thing or to help or to whatever. Um, but give yourself permission to do things differently. Give yourself permission to not accept the status quo. Give yourself permission to say, I'm not going to do it this way. I want something different. Um, that's that's my thing. Just give yourself permission to do it differently. Mm, I like that. So, Lauren? I would say if I could leave people with one thing, it would be, I mean, in admissions, it's a little bit different. I mean, the, the time that we spend working with families, is it's a bit shorter. Um, 
at least we hope it will be like a more concise period of time. Um, but we get them from like, you know, sometimes people will call and they will be almost even too scared to give me an email address because they're scared that their loved one will see that we sent them information and that they're doing some investigating mm. into getting them help. Mm. Um, so the change that we see happen in admissions um, can be drastic. I mean, sometimes we can get that person who's scared of their loved one seeing an email about substance abuse treatment. We can get that person to hold firm boundaries and get their loved one to agree to come in and do an assessment and potentially admit. So um, the change can happen quickly um, on the front end. But if I was going to leave everyone with something, it would be that coming to this place, I think most people think it's that a problem is going to get fixed, um, that the drug use or the alcohol use is going to stop. At least that's what they're hoping is going to be the end result. Um, And that's everyone's overall goal for the most part. Um, But I would like to encourage people to consider the fact that maybe that Yes, that will hopefully happen, Um, but our goal is for everything to change. Um, So I've seen, I mean, absolute miracles take place at both the men's and the women's center. Um, I've seen, like, the whole family system shift. We see people on the front end, and then we see them once they're completing the program. Um, And the change that happens is drastic. And, yes, it has a lot to do with them no longer using substances. But even more than that, it's a change in the entire person and the entire Mm -hmm. family unit. Um, So just considering the fact that, like, yeah, we'll we'll hopefully be changing this one piece of the equation, but also we're going to hopefully change everything else so that you guys are just in a much better situation long term. Um, so just like knowing that there's, there's more help that you can receive than just helping your loved ones stop drinking or using. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much for, for doing this. Thank you. Appreciate it. So that's our show. Thanks for participating with us in the more experience stories of recovery. I'm Matt Shedd, our executive producer is David Tate. If you're interested in the one-hour online webinar that they were talking about, visit the events page on our website at www.marinc.org. Also, if you like today's episode and you'd like more information on what recovery can look like for family members, check out episode six of our show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.